Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Eat, Eat it, it Up, the podcast where we take snacks from places in our neighborhoods and then chat to you about small bites of history. And we not only take them, we also eat those snacks. <laughs> we actually just hoard them away for a time in the future. <laughs> yeah, as we do. Um, Maria, how are you doing? I'm fine, you know? Yeah. I, my snack will be a little bit lackluster this week and I have to blame it, not lackluster in terms of flavor, but just in terms of relation to the topic. Okay. And that's mostly because of BC's really odd gray area lockdown. Mm. So love that. Love the vibes we're taking of taking things sometimes seriously and then sometimes not giving a care in the world. Right. You just want them to lift that lockdown. (laughs) I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to. No, um, I would like them to actually make it a full intense lockdown because I'm over it. (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay. You're you're over the half measures. I'm done. How are you doing though? Oh, you know, I'm good. Um, Just another another week living in the circus that is um, Ontario. (laughs) So that's good. Um, So literally chaos here. Not like in Ottawa specifically, but just like it's been so mismanaged. Um, But, you know, I got to talk history with you and and eat a donut. That's my snack this week. So, And focus on different troubles. Yeah, different troubles. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I guess it could be more serious at least. So, so yeah, I'm good. Not super convincing answer. Love that both of us are just lying to each other. I love that. uh, (laughs) It's another week of being here. Um, so where's your snack from oh okay my snack okay Uh, it's a donut a a vanilla sprinkle donut I guess I can show you Um, from Maverick Maverick, I was Maverick's so worried donut. for a sec. I was like, did you just get a Tim Hortons donut? I was like, I'm going to end you. <laughs> no, I just like, I want like vanilla sprinkle to me. is like the ultimate donut. Really? I would have pegged you with a yeah. chocolate sprinkle. See, I, and I used to be, I actually used to be a chocolate dip. Oh, okay. Or, yeah. or a double chocolate if we're talking to me. Yes. But yes. I find recently it's too much actually. It's too much for me. I don't like it in a donut form. So it's one of the few okay. times I don't eat chocolate. So wow. anyways, yeah, that's my snack this week. What did what did you get? What's your lackluster snack? I feel like I'm kind of passing the torch <laughs> to you. Like I'm kind of normally doing the lackluster. It's like now your turn. So, well, okay. So I wasn't able to get something really related to our topic today. Right. Because um, for anyone who maybe doesn't know, BC is doing this really fun thing Mm -hmm. where if you drive to a different health district, you could be charged $575. Right. And although now they're saying that it doesn't affect the lower mainland, where I live is in the Fraser Health District, Vancouver's in the Vancouver Coastal Health District. And so me driving there, theoretically, I could be charged a ton of money to get a snack for the pod is actually surprisingly not essential (laughs) i'm like my income depends on this and the guy's like you are out of your mind how much money do you make from your pod nothing actually (laughs) nothing zero cents i actually invested more into it Mm -hmm, than i've got mm -hmm. out of it um but so yeah we weren't really sure how the lockdown was going to work i think now going forward i will be okay going to vancouver because it seems like it's more lower mainland. You have to stay within that area, which is fine. Right. But it was my aunt's birthday this week. And so we went to get her, I went to get her a birthday cake from a place called Sweet Somethings. Okay. And Sam, this bakery is if I could open up the bakery of my dreams, it would be this place. Really? Yes. And it's like, so I walked into it. I was like, This is insane because it's so intensely things that I love Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at like, and not even like, oh, I think like everyone would love that I love. It was like, they had a bunch of, they do these like little mini cakes. So I got a bunch of mini cakes for my aunt's birthday. They were all vanilla with vanilla. And then they had cupcakes, all vanilla with vanilla. And then they do like, you can do like DIY cakes that you take home. So they've already baked the cake for you, made the ice cream or made the icing. You just got to take it home and decorate it. Oh, they do like fresh made ice cream and stuff and it was just like this cute little like pink place on Dunbar Street I was honestly shocked I love this place beyond well that just to me is very like if you're saying that that really means something like Like, that's a feather in their cap let me just say that for for sweet something or, or whatever they're called yeah 
<laughs> whatever there yeah and like i've driven by it so many times before to go to my cinnamon one place right and you've just the never fact that i'm saying that sentence yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're like on my daily yeah. run to this my cinnamon bun place my cinnamon bun place but it's yeah it's gorgeous in there and it's just like all the treats they have are things that i love because i don't love chocolate cake or chocolate frost or anything and they didn't have any of that so it was just it out was, of sight. Like, <laughs> I was like, don't even worry about it. It's like, fuck you to me. But I guess for you, it works. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think for some people, they'd be like, not thrilled by it. But it was truly, right. I got like, my heart rate increased. So, so it's not really lackluster. It was just lackluster vis-a-vis, like, there was no relation yes. to the topic. Yes. In terms of it just being everything I have ever dreamed of in a bakery, it really hit the mark. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't like that one time um, in recent memory that I actually brought water to the pod. <laughs> Because that, to me, kind of stands right. out as a lackluster. Um, I guess you could say, or about, what is it, that time that you just didn't have a snack? Yeah, we got a lot of hate mail for that <laughs> one. I mean, just lots of... Lots, lots of, of anger. Lots of anger from our, our the fans of our pod. Uh, this is a reminder to our fandom that uh, no toxic <laughs> behavior, please, guys. Please uh, and thanks. Attacking us is never okay. <laughs> the eat it uppers, you need to calm down. Yeah. Jeez, okay, well, shall we get into the topic of this week? Yes. Okay. Can you, can you okay. talk about why we chose this, to, why you chose this topic? Yes. Okay. So, so um, this week we're talking about the troubles, uh, this, com- this conflict between Irish Catholics and British Protestants in, in Northern really? Ireland. And I guess part of the, our motivation was that Maria reminded me or, or told me actually that there's a second season of Dairy Girls on Netflix. Yes. I never, I didn't know that. I only watched the first season and I loved it. And then mm-hmm just fully Marie was like oh we were talking about it somehow it came up and Marie was like oh and then the episode about something 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 I'm like oh I don't remember that and then she would like said another episode about something I was like okay, <laughs> I don't that none of that happened like, I have she's, none of this she's happened. like oh yeah it did it's in the second season I'm like oh I okay I didn't even know that so anyways <laughs> I went back to watch the second season really enjoyed it I don't think I've actually finished it I think I I think I'm like a, I have one episode left Sam, there's like two. six episodes I like know I know I know watching it for two weeks but that's my attention span like literally it's <laughs> right, like I'll do okay. like four in a row and then I, I just throw it out forever it's out of my brain True. so <laughs> I do need to finish it maybe this is my motivation but for the people who haven't watched Dairy Girls it's a comedy show about these four or five teenage girls growing up in Derry in Northern Ireland and the backdrop of the, it's a comedy, but the, the backdrop is like the, the trouble. So, so this conflict. So we thought maybe we'd, yes. we'd color it in with some historical uh, description, perhaps. I'm so excited because watching the show every time that something happens, it is very much centered with like the troubles in the background. Right. But it's not something that we've ever learned about in school, at least like myself personally. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of confusing. You're like, I don't get what's going on. Right. But I'm, I'm excited to learn. Also, my friend Kira has said that the way I pronounce dairy is incorrect, oh. but I can't hear the difference. Kira's okay. Irish. Right. And so I, used, I was like, oh, have you watched Dairy Girls? And she goes, it's not dairy. It's dairy. And I'm like I hear and you're like, I, I'm hear. like I hear not a single difference right and she would probably disagree <laughs> so with you. she would absolutely disagree if she ever listens to this podcast she'll be like screaming at it I'm sure but right if we're pre- if we're pronouncing dairy wrong it's not for lack of trying it's that we can't hear the difference and we're <laughs> stupid <laughs> <laughs> and bottom line is yeah yeah kind of fundamentally um <laughs> yeah okay well do, how much do you know so you said you you haven't really learned about the troubles mm-hmm. do you have any kind of inkling about it or should I just jump right in I just like to I like I always like to like see what we know about it before you like to dumb shame me before we know dumb shame <laughs> I literally if we were dumb shaming every time we bring up a topic I'm like I've never heard of that um I would Princess say Diana, the only, truly that? I think <laughs> never heard of her the only thing that I really know about the troubles comes from watching the show. Mm-hmm, so I know mm-hmm. that there were like bombings and things and right. that a big part of the show is how much the Irish hate the English, right. but the English don't seem to have that same response to the Irish right. necessarily. Like I think, yeah. yeah, but that's really all I know. And then Catholics versus Protestants. Right. So I'm team Catholic all the way. Naturally. Right. Okay. Yeah. As a Catholic yourself, you're like, you always have to stand our people. What's up? <laughs> yeah. You're like we love the Pope. Shout out to the Pope. Um, <laughs> No. So yeah. So like, definitely, I think that's a good, like kind of point, like the show is a good point of entry into the conflict. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the family that it follows in the show are, they're Irish Catholic. 
mm-hmm. then, um, you know, you see some of the, like the bombings in the background, whatever they have this, uh, British cousin James <laughs> on the show who like, they like just make fun of mm-hmm. <laughs> mercilessly. But I think in, it maybe is not like the best, um, like the most accurate portrayal I would say of mm. the, or not accurate, but it just doesn't really center on the actual conflict. Like mm-hmm. kind of your, con- like your sense of it being, you know, mostly like the Irish Catholics hating the, the Protestants, like the British mm-hmm. Protestants, I would say is probably not the most accurate way of how the conflict kind of shakes down maybe. Right. Not, yeah. So, um, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to be like, no dumb shaming. Hit me, hit me. No, but like you know what I mean. Like I think like it. Yeah, it, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't do like maybe. A, it doesn't really get into it from like, a one perspective. Yeah. yeah, it's it's more I guess just like because it follows this Irish Catholic family, we only really see the the Irish nationalists or they're they're not even nationalists. They're I guess they kind of are nationalists. I guess, but they're not like yeah. they're not joining the IRA and bombing things. They're just like mm-hmm. they're in, they don't really like the British. And to be fair, I mean the British were occupying Northern Ireland and were. Um, violent and all these sorts of things so not that all British are but not all British are violent that's our message today (laughs) my dad has a British passport okay so it's not oh okay yeah um anyway so um okay so (laughs) (laughs) we literally haven't gotten into it at all okay so overall what what were the troubles so it's this conflict between Irish Catholics who are like known as nationalists or republicans versus British Protestants who are also known as unionists or loyalists and the the trouble specifically refers to the conflict in Northern Ireland okay so so if we're thinking about like the the Isle of Ireland as an an, an entire thing the southern like today the southern part of Ireland is called the Republic of Ireland um it's like in one independence from uh, the UK and it is Irish like predominantly Catholic right right the northern part of Ireland is um has its own government now is tech like a devolved government is technically part of the united kingdom right okay and so and there's there's a much larger uh, british protestant kind of constituency there than there is in, in the rest of of ireland there's still obviously lots of irish catholics in the north as well too but um that's kind of where we're, we're talking about in terms of like time period the troubles happen like people generally date the start of it to 1968 and the conflict lasts 30 years until uh, 1998 when the good friday agreement is signed and there's there's finally peace in northern ireland so like a a long kind of conflict and weirdly i feel like we've been on a 70s 80s history kick recently (laughs) like if you think about it like the flq like flq uh the october crisis is 1970 so -hmm. like literally the exact same time Mm -hmm. um like princess like lady die like it's all 1973 oil crisis we just keep on hitting the era contemporaneous (laughs) i don't know why we're on this kick but like (laughs) there's lots going on so um so yeah that's generally the 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 deal I guess so it's these Irish Catholics Nationalists Republicans and broadly just so we understand I guess the language the reason they're called Nationalists or Republicans is because they want to um, see I guess like a an intact Irish nation so like the the entire of Ireland if you're thinking like and we'll get into the history but like before British like colonization of Ireland it was like um, seen as like a like kind of one people, right? Yes. Um, people spoke Irish, like whatever, um, like culturally relatively uniform. And so, uh, and, and Catholic. And then there was this, this British kind of uh, colonization. And then you have like Protestant settlers who are British. And um, so, and they're called unionists or loyalists because they they want to be part of like the United Kingdom and they're, they're loyal to the, the monarchy and to the kingdom, right? So right, that's right. kind of, there's a bunch of different like verbiage used. Like, right. like, you know, if you're Irish, Catholic, nationalist or Republican, like that's one side. And the other side <laughs> is like British, Protestant, <laughs> unionist, loyalists. And like, right. they're, they're often used. Which code name do you go by so, so if you're confused, that's kind of the general like cleavage. In, okay. in Northern Ireland politically at the time. Okay. Um, the Troubles themselves refers to like um, street fighting, um, like conflict between these two groups, bombings, sniper attacks, like police and army repression, it, like a whole host of things mm-hmm. like during this period. And like the, the death toll total was about 3,600 people were killed and 30,000 oh. were wounded over the course of the, the conflict. So 
Yeah. So like lots of, lots of life and, and injury and, um, in the conflict. And and it was kind of, it's considered like a low level war because it wasn't like full out, you know, right. Like a full war, but there was like a lot of casualties, a a lot of injuries. So, so quite sad. And and like I said, this is taking place in the Northern part of Ireland in Northern Mm -hmm. Ireland, like in the the Island of the Isle of Ireland, it's happening in the the Northern part, not in the the Southern part where like, like the Southern, if you're thinking of like, say Dublin, like Dublin is yeah. Yeah. So Northern Ireland, like Belfast, Derry, all those places. Right. Okay. So that's kind of the, the overview. Do you have any questions before we get more into the background? Not so far. So I now know the verbiage of the, like how, how it split across. And I always did get confused about what the heck Northern Ireland is versus Republic of Ireland, um, which Kira also got mad at me for before in high school. So like now I'm learning, I'm figuring it out. (laughs) We're growing, we're trying. Okay. So um, I guess we can jump into the background. So how did, like, how did these British Protestants get in Northern Ireland? I guess is like the first question, right? Like if you're thinking like, there's these Irish people um, living in the Isle of Ireland, Catholic. How did it mm-hmm. end up that you have like a large British constituency that's Protestant in Northern Ireland? Um, so right. there's an invasion by the Anglo-Normans in the 12th century. And then really for all the centuries and until like the early <laughs> 20th century, and even I guess like through the troubles, there's um, mm-hmm. repeated um, kind of invasion, settlement, colonization by the, the English. Um, and, uh, so particularly like in the 17th century, you start getting the settlement of British. So, um, like Scottish and English landlords all over Ireland, but especially in Ulster, which is like the northernmost kind of province of, of the Isle of Ireland at this time. So this is pre the, the confusing thing is like Northern Ireland is not around at this time. Right. If you're thinking, right. Okay. Cause also, I mean, borders weren't a thing like, <laughs> right. Like, in the right, right, okay. like, like, like if we're thinking like pre the modern age, they're aren't really formal yes. borders anyways, but right. um, pre-Ottoman empire. Yeah. Like, like, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not a thing like the, the border, but anyways, so um, you have the settlement of these, these British landlords. Um, like I said, all over the Isle of Ireland, but especially in the, the northernmost part um, and similar in a lot of other kind of colonial projects where you like settle your people in an area in a way to try and um like take advantage of the land and, and increase yes, your like yeah. political clout there and whatever. Right. So that's like, obviously it's way more complicated and there's a much longer history, <laughs> but it's like, no one cares. It's literally like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, if we're, Oh, starting the 12th century. It's like, okay, we're not getting into all of that. I, like, we don't have time. So let's, let's just say for argument's sake, there's this long history of colonization by the British um, in Ireland, predominantly in the North mm-hmm. um, and settlement of people. That's kind of critical. Mm-hmm. In the early 20th century, um, you, you get armed insurrection in the Isle of Ireland by the Irish Republican Army or the IRA. Um, mm. And so they fight this Irish war of independence between 1919 and 1921. And it's fought like all across uh, Ireland. So like northern parts, southern parts. This again is before there's this division between there's no Republic of Ireland, whatever, like it, it's just yes. the Isle under um, British rule at this point. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the Irish War of Independence, um, there's the Anglo-Irish Treaty, which is signed, um, which establishes Ireland as a dominion, which you might have heard if you've heard of Canada was, was yeah, a dominion, dominion at one Canada. point of, yeah. of um, the British monarchy. So basically mm-hmm. kind of like a devolved, like you have a devolved government but you're still under technically the rule of the the monarchy at this point so at this point Ireland is considered a a dominion and at the same time too you have this government of Ireland act which is declared by the UK parliament like the British parliament um, which partitions northern Ireland from southern Ireland so as as a distinct um, political grouping or organization it becomes its own state essentially so, Why did they do that? Um, it was part, like, I, my understanding is that it's because of, like, the, the representation of, like, because of the number of, like, Protestants up okay. north, there's an attempt, like, an understanding, I guess, I think, I'm not sure if it happens after the war, during the war, or what, right. but, like, after the Irish War of Independence, there's basically a, a slow move towards, or not a slow move, they become a free state, 
um, okay. Ireland, it, it becomes its dominion. And then eventually in, in 1937, I think they sign their own constitution and become the Republic of Ireland. Right. And so because the, the North in, the, in 1922, two thirds of Northern Ireland, so about 1 million people are Protestant, British Protestant, uh, and one third are Catholic, there's like much more support for um, mm-hmm. staying part of like being right. under British rule at this point. Right. Okay. So okay. Um, that's my understanding of, of kind of why, of why that happens. And as part of the, the treaty to end the war, like Northern Ireland gets the option to opt out of this new free state that's declared. Um, mm. If that makes sense, which um, I, my understanding is they do. So then they become like separate essentially. Okay. So um, yeah. So, and then I guess the only other, thing that's important to think about here is that in Ulster, again, which is this northernmost province, um, which part of which becomes Northern Ireland, um, some counties in Ulster join up with the Republic of Ireland and the the southern kind of state, if that makes sense, that becomes independent from British rule. Um, Protestant settlers outnumber the Indigenous Irish, and there is not really a lot of assimilation. So like the English and Scottish settlers in um, Northern Ireland, whether in the actual, like in Northern Ireland, like the, the state or the dominion and like including the North part of the Republic of Ireland, they still see themselves as having like a British, like an English identity. They're not, they don't see themselves oh, as being Irish. They're not Irish. Okay. Yeah. So this, they're, you know, they're, and they're Protestant, right. Too. Right. So that's kind of the background. The main things, there's like this Irish war of independence, at the start of the 20th century, mm-hmm. there's these treaties um like the anglo-irish treaty and the government of ireland act together that basically ends this war ireland Mm -hmm. becomes like cuts it in two yeah cuts it in two ireland like the southern part becomes a uh, dominion and eventually becomes its own republic free Mm -hmm. of any kind of british rule right the the northern part is partitioned at this point too um because it's it's predominantly protestant and isn't it doesn't join up with the rest of the republic and gets mm-hmm. this devolved government the way you get a devolved government in, say, Wales or Scotland or all these other right. things that are part of the United Kingdom. Right. And okay. there's um, so that's kind of that's kind of how we come to be to have these two states and how mm-hmm. you come to be to have those different kind of uh, demographics. OK, so that's like the background. Mm-hmm. Now we know like, OK, we have lots of British Protestants up north. We have these yeah. two kind of states. We have this independence movement. Um, which is fought largely by this IRA, which kind of comes up once we get into the, the troubles yes. a little bit. So now on to the 60s. What's happening in the 60s? Well, we've covered this, I swear, every episode, but like- Let's do it, 60s. Once again, you know, it's like Cold War. Woo! You have um, political activism and, and movements ar- around the world. You have um, movements in Europe, like May 1968 in France. You have American Civil Rights Movement. You even have the FLQ crisis in Canada. Um, so, right. or not, not FLQ crisis, October crisis, but you know what I mean? The yes. Crisis yes. caused by the FLQ. In my head right now, I'm singing from Harris Fritz, like, welcome to the sixties. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. There's like lots <laughs> going on. So, yeah. um, in, in 1967, in Northern Ireland, you get the formation of the Northern Ireland Civil Rights Association, which is founded as this non-sectarian, non-sectarian organization, trying to form to tackle bias and discrimination of this unionist majority government that's devolved um, against the nationalist minority who are uh, Irish Catholics. Right. Okay. So um, there's a sense, again, like there's discrimination in employment, in housing, um, in kind of all walks of life, like violence from police against Irish Catholics that's persisted even through like, since, you know, this partition and everything else, like it's predominantly a, a British, um, like unionist state, Northern Ireland, like devolved and, and, um, like, which has devolved power from the United Kingdom. And there's a sense there's like this sustained repression of Irish Catholics who have much worse, like outcomes economically and socially right. and so on and so forth. And so I guess inspired in part by these civil rights movements around the world, this Northern Ireland, I don't know why it's so hard to say, Northern Ireland Civil Rights Association is founded. <laughs> so uh, the, what's seen as kind of like the, the first, the thing that kicks off the troubles is on October 5th, 1968, 
um, this group that I'll call NICRA, like Northern Island Civil Rights Association, it's just easier NICRA, and the Dairy Housing Action Committee, DHAC, hold a, uh, a protest um, against like housing discrimination uh, in the city. It's banned by the Stormont government, which is like the, the devolved parliament that's unionist. Uh, in in uh, Northern Ireland, they still go ahead with the protest regardless of, of it being banned. Mm-hmm. And the Royal Ulster Constabulary, which is basically like the <laughs> police. Words. <laughs> no, it's like I guess that's where the word constable, oh, like you know what I mean, oh. same root constable constabulary. Maybe I don't know. I guess, but it's just like God, it's just. I know. Just I'm like, make it easier. Like, Anyways, what? it's like what? Okay, okay. so so <laughs> at the same time, so you have this housing protest. Um, and the RUC, Royal Ulster Constabulary, charged protesters um, like are violent against them. And this conflict is caught on TV. You have about 100 people injured. And so that's kind of seen as like the first moment, I guess, that this uh, that the troubles start to kind of take place. Like it's, it's this watershed kind of starting moment. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in 1968 and 69, you have a series of more protests by uh, Irish Catholic nationalists and repeated acts of police violence against them or loyalist violence against them. So in Northern Ireland too, there's a lot of like paramilitary organizations or fraternal orders where unionists, like unionist British men will join up to like defend British identity or British control of the state or whatever. Right. And they actually right. show this in Dairy Girls at one point. If you remember when they're driving on that road trip, they get caught in the orange order. Yes. And they're really yes. And then the grandpa was like, <laughs> he like made them go through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. actually was, that was like a, yeah, a fraternal order that was explicitly like Protestant oh. supremacist, like really thought the British were superior to and sorry, the Irish. And the orange men? The Orange Order, I think. And orange it comes, Order, sorry. Or, and maybe they were called the Orange Men. It comes from some William of Orange, some 14th Yeah, like from the century. Netherlands, right? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. it's like, okay, let it go. But, um, <laughs> but so, so, so there's like in 1669, you get these protests by Irish saying like, we're not being treated fairly and violence mm-hmm. either from the police who are also seen as like British, right? Like, because they're, right. they're, they're part of the government or, um, like loyalists who like counter protesters, I guess, who are violent. Right. Um, so August 14th, there's like a series of these protests, particularly in, in 69, where the violence really starts to pick up. So uh, August 14th, um, six people are killed in some uh, conflict in Belfast, including a child. And oh. the British army is deployed for the first time. In like the, the days that follow, there's violence that spreads not just in Northern Ireland, but across um, Dublin and London. So there's protests there, riots there, saying that this is this is unfair. Um, and many like Irish Catholics try to flee Northern Ireland for the Republic of Ireland, which is Irish Catholics seen as like a safe haven. Um, and at the start, the British army is seen as uh, as a like their uh, entrance into the situation is seen as positive by the Irish Catholics. They see it as a way to you know, keep people safe and whatever. They're not seen as being mm-hmm. as, I guess, biased as the the Royal Ulster Constabulary or whatever else. But mm-hmm. as the troubles continue, they become seen as like the enemy as well, of course, because they're oh. part of the British government and yeah. they end up um, being quite repressive against Irish protesters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the August protests where that, it really starts to, to pick up. In terms of, I guess the the reactions and, and the, the players on the Irish side. So we've talked a little about about the IRA, which you've probably mm-hmm. heard of if you've talked about the troubles before. Yeah, I always think about of the, the IGA supermarkets when I hear the IRA. I do too, which is so BC, IGA. <laughs> yeah. um, so the IRA is not necessarily the same as the IRA that was involved in the Irish War of Independence, which we kind of oh, just talked okay. about. So yes. confusingly, well... The IRA, like that was back in the 20s, right? In the 10s. Yes. So the IRA at this time, there's like a, a bunch of groups who kind of claim that name and claim to be part of that lineage um, mm. of like Irish nationalists. Mm-hmm. The actual like history of it is very complicated and it's quite unclear, like who is the <laughs> rightful heir to the IRA, whatever. It right. doesn't really matter for us. Um, yes. We just know that there's this, kind of um, provision, there's this Irish Republican army that attempts to run this kind of guerrilla campaign kind of before even the 
the troubles begin. It doesn't really do much. And then there's a splinter in 1969 where you get the provisional Irish Republican Army, which most people just call the IRA. Yes. Also known as the Provost for like provisional. And they're the ones who are known for um, like the targeted bombings and, and attacks okay. on, on British sites and, and people. So when we're talking about the IRA in this context, we also call them the Provost for that provisional Irish Republican Army. They claim to be in this lineage of like Irish nationalists who fought in the war of independence the real thing is like maybe a bit more complicated than that but right interesting claim to make anyways um they are largely funded by the irish diaspora particularly in the united states where there there have been a lot of irish immigrants so on the irish side you have the ira the provost yes who are fighting for you know independence and and rights for catholics and and so mm-hmm. on and so forth on the british side you have these paramilitary groups that unionists british unionists join so ulster volunteer force ulster defense association and they're the ones right. that are kind of instigating some of the the violent counter protests and attacks mm-hmm. and, and so on mm-hmm. and so um in response to these like conflicts in 69 particularly like the august riots and so on the northern irish government apparently tries to deal with some of these um, issues of discrimination and grievance by addressing some housing discrimination issues and try and reduce some of the electoral gerrymandering that had been going on because there had been concerted attempts to gerrymander ridings so that Catholic votes were diluted and and to maintain a unionist majority. So there were apparently attempts to address some of those things, but in response to the 69 riots, the unionist government also instituted measures to detain people without trial. Mm. Um, and it was, of course, used mostly on Irish nationalists. So yeah. um, deeply concerning and illiberal use of state power and quite repressive. And so the whole reason like the Brits were didn't want the Irish to get like the same level of like, or like to like the reason the Brits are doing all this is just because they want to keep their power is the vibe. That's my understanding. Like they see themselves as being like, um, like I just like, they see themselves as being like British related to the crown of being, you know, being Mm -hmm. superior to the ways of the, the Irish Catholics Catholics. having a superior culture, all those kind of classic things in, um, when you have those power relations and yeah and and they're wealthier and so on right because if the, right. the irish catholics are being discriminated against have less land yes. whatever then someone benefits and that's the the british unionists yeah so then they institute these measures to arbitrarily detain people and it's mostly just used against irish catholics and it's it's a security measure right to try and limit yeah, conflict but obviously it's quite repressive in the 70s you get more bombings uh and rioting and protests by uh, like bombings led by the IRA and, and protests and rioting by Irish Catholics probably writ large. And you get the establishment of these things called pace walls, which were initially put in place by British soldiers, which were just walls with barbed wire between Catholic and uh, British communities, like loyalist Republican communities. And then oh. in some of them, you get even like later on, they get built into like really large brick and steel walls. Some of them are like 14 meters high. And so they'd become like the symbol too of like the divide between yeah. that. Yeah. Because it's quite literally a wall between these yes. communities meant to try and I guess limit conflict, but also obviously isolates them further yes, from one another. Definitely. So then in January 30, 1972, um, there's a, a Catholic civil rights demonstration in Derry, 15,000 people gather and they're protesting this new internment law that's been brought in. The Stormont government had banned these protests, um, but it it went on regardless. And some of the protesters allegedly threw stones at the soldiers, uh, like the Mm -hmm. the British paratroopers who were there. And Mm -hmm. they responded by opening fire, killing 13 people and wounding 15. Um, And so this was known as Bloody Sunday. And it mm. created huge anger in Derry and across Ireland, like not even just Northern Ireland, but the Republic of Ireland. So the British embassy in Dublin was burned to the ground. Um, like people were obviously deeply upset because it was largely a, a peaceful protest. So like following this, the following Bloody Sunday, the Stormont government says an inquiry would be held called the Widgery Tribunal, um, which you know, took place and produced this report in April 1972. So four months later, but it cleared the soldiers of any wrongdoing, though it said their behavior bordered on reckless, quote. 
Um, so obviously there was no kind of justice for the families or, or anything like that and became just another kind of point of tension between the communities. And mm-hmm. we might get into it later, but like the, there was a new inquiry that was reopened in 1998 and the report came out in 2010. And then one of the troopers who was charged with murder is being, is on trial, like currently, like the, oh. the trial was going on through COVID. So like, that's how long, like it's oh. taken to get justice on these kind of issues and how long, how right. drawn out the process has been, but we can get into that kind of later. So, so you have this bloody Sunday, um, in March of 1972, the British government takes over rule of Northern Ireland directly. So they supersede the Stormont government. And so the, the ro- ruling of Northern Ireland takes place directly by um, Westminster. Mm. And um, in the same time in the 70s, the IRA begins to start targeting cities in England and they become much more like tactical and targeted and sophisticated. Right. They um, place a bomb on this man, Lord Mountbatten's fishing boat. And Mountbatten was a cousin of Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth. And um, they detonate it. It kills him and uh, several of his family members and becomes this like massive international media story. And it's an an attempt to like bring international attention to the plight of the Irish people. And then in 1981, Bobby Sands, who's an IRA member, starts this 66-day hunger strike. Um, no, protesting 66 the, days. 66 days. So he and several of his um, of fellow Irish Catholics who have been uh, arrested and detained under these laws, they were initially given what's called special category status, which was basically they were treated as prisoners of war under the Geneva Convention, which meant they mm-hmm. could get, they didn't have to wear normal prison clothes. Um, they could get extra visits, they could get extra food, so on and so forth. They kind of had special status and more protections. But that changes in the 80s. And so they revoke their special status. And they're basically treated just as any other person who's incarcerated is treated. And it's seen Mm -hmm. as like this huge, I guess, insult and injustice. So Bobby Sands, who's uh, one of the members who's detained and, and nine others go on hunger strike. And at the same time, Bobby Sands is actually elected to British Parliament, um, like while he's on this hunger strike. But he ends up dying of hunger um, because the um, the government won't meet his demands or the demands of his fellow hunger strikers. And so nine more people uh, fast to death in October of eighty one. So that's a major flashpoint in the conflict. A hundred thousand people attend Bobby Sands' funeral. Um, Thatcher eventually ends up giving in to some of the demands that they have about getting back some of their status as um, like as prisoners of war, having a special category status, but seen again as kind of um, like a key turning, a key part of the conflict, this hunger strike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also his election to British Parliament kind of motivates Sinn Féin, which is this Irish nationalist party to try and start pursuing like uh, electoral strategies as another way of um, seeking better rights for, for Irish Catholics and, and independence. But yeah, so 1984, there's this IRA attack on the, the Conservative Party conference in, in England, kills five. Thatcher obviously is put at risk. And um, yeah, it's just, I guess, an, another escalation of tension. Yes. In 85, the Irish um, Taoiseach, and, which is like their president or prime minister, and Thatcher sign this Anglo-Irish agreement where both countries guarantee that any change to the status of Northern Ireland would only happen at the will of the majority of the people in Northern Ireland. So there was an agreement that like power would be devolved back. Like as part of this, there's an agreement that power would only be devolved back to Northern Ireland. If there's power sharing between the nationalists and the union unionists, it's seen as this way to try and prevent this sense of like, you know, the unionist government just, marginalizing Irish Catholics. So um, that's in 1985, I guess, seen as kind of like this moment of progress that the Irish are, you know, the Irish Taoiseach and the um, Taoiseach or Taoiseach, I I might be saying that wrong. I I tried to look up the pronunciation, but there were mixed reviews on how to say it. And (laughs) Thatcher, they signed this agreement. um, And so there's this move towards power sharing and kind of Mm -hmm. maybe closer to the end of conflict. Um, but British unionists, of course, strongly appro- opposed it at the time um, because they didn't yeah. want to share power, obviously, with course, the Irish yeah. Catholics. In So the 90s is when the conflict slowly starts to wind down. 
Which is um, where Dairy Girls picks up. Oh, is it? Because Dairy Girls is at the end of the Troubles because Bill Clinton is president. I don't even remember that from the show. That's so funny. Because it's in the last episode that you haven't watched yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, spoiler. Okay, spoiler. Right, so funny. I he's not actually it. like he doesn't. He's not like no. He's yeah, like not actually him, but like he's on the TV or something. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, nineties in in ninety three. There's this Downing Street Declaration that kind of lays out how the peace talks would happen and and what kind of conditions would have to be met by who was involved. Um, there's, you know, periods of ceasefire in the 90s with the IRA um, that sometimes falls apart because of various political developments. For example, um, the Sinn Féin party had been excluded from peace talks initially. And so um, the provost rejected that and continued uh, attacks and bombings and so on. Um, and then there's a series of it's around this period that the IRA makes a couple of mistakes in terms of their, their bombings and they actually end up killing civilians, not political targets. Oh. Um, and so they kind of, I think, lose a little bit of legitimacy popularly yes. or, or kind of, I guess, yeah, question their, their methods. So they resume the yeah. ceasefire in 97, peace talks between the British and Irish governments, various um, democratic parties in the North um, happen. And this is facilitated by former US Senator George Mitchell. And that culminates in the Good Friday Agreement or the Belfast Agreement, which um, is signed in April 10th, 1998, which is a whole series of, um, I guess, peace agreements on how to, to move forward in, in terms of peace. Um, it creates this power sharing assembly in Northern Ireland um, that mm -hmm. requires like both, it's quite an interesting political system, but both Irish Catholics and, un and British Unionists have to be represented in certain ways at like the level of the cabinet and they have on certain motions that they vote on. Mm, you have to okay. have a, not just like a majority of the members of the house, yes, but also but a certain a, amount of Catholics from, and yeah, from each community okay. approving it. So quite right. interesting that way. Yeah. Um, and it's approved in a referendum in May 23rd. Very high support from Irish Catholics. I think it's like 96%. British Unionists about 50, I think 52% <laughs> approval. So it's much, right. it's quite interesting, right? Like there's much popularly, it's seen mm -hmm. by the Catholics, I guess, as the end of the conflict as a way to um, have more representation in government to um, address a lot of these issues and discrimination and, and housing yeah. and so on. Um, and I suppose for some of the British Unionists, it's seen as a loss of power, um, yes, which, yeah. which they don't like. And then that is, I mean, should be the end of the conflict, but sadly, um, right. it kind of on on August fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight. So same year that the this um, this agreement is signed and and ratified through a referendum. There's the Oma bombing in August fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight. So a splinter IRA group, so not the provost, but a, a splinter group off right. of them sets off a bomb in uh, Oma, kills twenty nine people and injures oh. more than two hundred and twenty people. And they were protesting the Good Friday Agreement. So like I said, most Irish Catholics were in support of the, the agreement popularly. The provosts, from my understanding, were also in support of it. But there were some Irish paramilitary groups who were against it. This mm -hmm. splinter IRA group being one of them. Mm -hmm. And so this bombing is, is an attempt to protest, but it ends up actually being the deadliest attack uh, throughout the entire Troubles. So, oh. so kind of sad happens after the yes. you know, peace peace talks have ended and, and they've reached this agreement. So, and then in 2005, the IRA officially announces the end of its campaign, told, tells its members, you know, to cease and desist, drop their arms, to only engage peacefully. So, so anyways, that's kind of the, the troubles. Um, obviously like quite, like a long conflict, quite sad, has a long, long history. Um, and when we get into the significance, we'll see, like, it's not really there was huge hope, I think, because yeah. right, like that, it is a huge thing that they were able to reach peace and and come up with a system of government that's so interesting, which we'll talk about in significance a little bit. But um, the conflict has kind of come to a head again recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did that make sense? Do you have any questions? That did. Yeah, honestly, because I just didn't understand like why it started, mm -hmm. um, where the tension came from, and then of course like the in betweens. Are always very important but um it is like just knowing like why the irish catholics even started protesting in the first place mm -hmm. helps provide a lot more context for like any depictions you see of irish catholics in the era it provides mm -hmm. a lot more context for it yeah 
I'm glad. Good job, Sammy. Thank you. So yeah, do you want to talk about your snack? How how is yeah? Your, um, how's your cake? I saw you munched on it. it. Looked good. It is very good. So it's um we got like my aunt for her birthday. We got like three little cakes. So there were two right. like extra minis that were like two inch wide, and then just like two stacks. And then we yeah. got like one that was like a four inch with like three stacks of cake, three layers. But I'm eating the three layer one right now. Right. And it is like. It's just so good. I remember like I bought a cupcake in the car on my way home and was eating and I was like, this is everything I ever want. Like just like good moist vanilla cake Mm -hmm. with icing that's like still has, it's not like so soft. It still has like a certain amount of like stiffness to it. Right. But it's sweet and it's, it's not like buttery or whipped creamy vibes. It is just like good icing. And I have to say that this has, this has topped like other bakeries I've tried in Vancouver before for this type of thing. Wow. So you're, um, what would you rate it then? You're Like, I'm absolutely going to go back. Wow. Like 100%. Like I want to go back for my birthday and get like a decorate your own thing. Right. This is huge. That would be actually. really fun. The only thing that I will say is that um, I myself am okay with things being so sweet. They hurt my teeth. Right. Which is why I had two cavities this week and had to go to the dentist. I'm okay with that. I did it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I will say it is very sweet. And so like Mm my mom took a bite and she goes, "Mm, I'm not eating that. Okay. And I was like, was it too sweet? She goes, yeah. So. So maybe not for everyone. Not for everyone. And like, I understand that, but it's exactly what I like. Um, And I do think like the small cakes look so small, but you really only need like a tiny slice for yourself because it is very sweet. So, you know, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. How about okay. you? I'm glad. Okay. That's honestly big for you. I feel yeah, like. Yeah. I'm so excited for yeah. it. But yeah. Um, my donut is good. I like it. Yeah. So like I said, vanilla sprinkle. I really like the sprinkles and the icing. The donut itself is very like cakey. Like, you know how there's oh. donuts that are like, some are it's like. It's almost like those old fashioned donuts. That yeah. Are, like, like some, yeah. exactly. So some are like that. And then some are more like ready almost. Yes. And yeah. this is more cakey. And I'm realizing okay. now I don't like cake as much as I like the bready ones. Yeah. So okay. I think like, it's good. I would definitely like go back and buy them if I needed mm-hmm. donuts. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm more personally a bread type of person. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. if I needed donuts, I could definitely go back there, but I'm not going to go out of my way. That's the tough thing is because donuts are already so oily and greasy that sometimes having the cakey ones just like, is like that much more whereas when they're still like light and fluffy and airy on the inside it's almost easier to eat that's how i feel yeah. about this one so um so yeah good but not not as not your experience not stellar okay not so positive, but yeah. <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah so that's good um so why is um why are the troubles significant? well the first thing is just like i kind of teased it but the Irish government structure is so interesting and I encourage people to look it up if they're interested, but like I and said- And this is like, just for Northern Ireland, right? Not yeah, for, for Republic? for Northern Ireland. Sorry, okay. that's so true. I said Irish government as if the Republic sorry. of Ireland. Uh-oh. Sorry. Um, no, sorry. So the Northern Irish government, like they're, it's called Stormout, their, their National Assembly. And yeah, they have like all these rules about certain motions. Like I said, you need support from- different like from the catholics and from the protestants not just a simple majority Mm. and also which i find fascinating their cabinet so their ministers has to have a certain amount of representation of people from the different communities through the the different parties so like you always have like their i think it's their first minister their prime minister i can't remember how they call it but one of them their first minister is always you know either protestant or catholic and then the deputy minister is the other and they're oh like, okay even though one's called first and the other one's deputy they functionally have very similar powers yes and right. like even members of the cabinet are all from like the, the different parties and different co- kind of communities and so right. you have interesting scenarios where like there's like fights between ministers like i, I the only reason i know this is because i i just had a seminar on this and apparently ministers have like taken like legal action against other ministers within the same cabinet <laughs> because of 
like conflict about like it's it's politicking right but it's just yes, such a different yeah. thing than here in Canada where we have like you know solidarity between all the ministers um right right as a group like they're all the same party whatever so that is just I think an interesting fact that people are interested it's it's just a very different way <laughs> yeah of dealing with things but obviously important to have that kind of political representation in the structure yes so that yeah. you have um people represented yeah definitely. in terms of I I kind of um talked about a, li- a little bit there's this contemporary conflict sadly so tensions have kind of come to a head again for I think from my understanding the first time in, in a kind of a significant way in Northern Ireland since the the Good Friday Agreement obviously there was the Omaha bombing and there's been other instances but there's been um, riots in, in Belfast and across Northern Ireland uh, in April of this, like start, like the start of this month, actually start of April. Oh, so and, like and, super yeah, recent. Super, oh. super recent. So there's been, uh, like I mentioned, riots. There's been some petrol bombings uh, of cars, of buses. And the, the there's two things that kind of led to this, this conflict. Obviously, it's again, it's oriented around this Irish Catholic British Unionist divide that we've been talking about. But the precipitating factor is kind of twofold. One is COVID and one is Brexit. So if we talk about Brexit first, so when you think about like what happened with Brexit, like the the UK left the the European Union. Sorry, me like literally defining Brexit. No, I just honestly, Brexit makes me laugh because I think it's one of the dumbest things ever. I know. Well, it's just, I feel like it's so, (laughs) it's so removed from our context because we don't even understand, like the EU is so not, like, it's just for us, it's it's a totally different kind of system of Mm -hmm, government mm -hmm. and and whatever. And anyways, it's, it's so different, but obviously in, in Europe, it's like quite a, important political entity yes. and, and was a whole anyways whole thing I did not follow much of the the Brexit stuff there was too much going on too but much, yeah but one of one of the the issues with Brexit so following the Good Friday agreement you had basically the dissolution of that hard border between Northern Ireland and the Repu- Republic of Ireland like obviously there's oh, still technically no, then with Brexit they would yeah so so there's oh, technically okay. like a border there because mm-hmm. it defines like the different states right and how they're governed mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you can drive straight through from one side to the other yes. without you know customs or checks or anything because that was a big right. point of tension in in the troubles there was like often like conflict and control and violence near the border about passing through mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. with brexit they had to deal with that exactly like as you said so if britain is leaving the eu but you have mm-hmm. this kind of unenforced border like that then either like you have this issue where like british goods that are going to say northern ireland could flow freely yeah. But then you right. would need to reinstate that border so that you would have customs checks as it goes into the Republic of Ireland and the EU. Yes. So that yes. was one option was putting back this hard border. But I mean, it was such a huge development to have the Good Friday Agreement and, and peace that mm-hmm. like no one wanted that. And right. so the only other way, I guess, or the only other solution that they could come up with was to put a border between the entire Isle of Ireland and oh, the United Kingdom. Which ticks off the Protestants in Northern Ireland. Exactly. So they Actually. feel there's this, these new trade customs. So like certain things that like the EU has particular regulations on, they want checked as it goes into Northern Ireland so that when it free flows into the Republic of Ireland, yes. it's still part of that EU single market. Right. And so um, that has obviously it's called the Northern Ireland protocol is kind of like the, the agreement, how they're dealing with the, the Northern Ireland issue. And so it, it's the sea border. Um, and it's yeah, definitely pissed off the British unionists quite a bit. Um, right. Part of the problem too, is that Boris Johnson promised there would not be a customs border there and then reneged on it. So that's also irritated them, of course. Yeah. Um, he has no clue what he's promising. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? And so the, the rules haven't been finalized on this Northern Irish protocol on the sea border. But um, from my understanding, it has been put in place already, like provisionally. And mm-hmm. not only is it like a symbolic thing, there's also some uh, British unionists claiming that it's disrupted the supply chain into Northern Ireland um, because right. of these customs checks and, and, and whatever. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the issues. And interestingly, the Loyalist Communities Council, which represents the Ulster Volunteer Force and the Ulster Defense Association, which are those 
paramilitary groups that we talked about earlier that were on the side of the British, they've now withdrawn support for the Good Friday Agreement. So, so it's, it's a very live political issue. Um, there, it, from my understanding, it doesn't mean there's like widespread interest in kind of getting rid of the Good Friday Agreement and the peace, but right. it's obviously, it could quickly devolve and devolve, become quite, yeah. a, quite an issue. So that's one is this, this issue of Brexit and the, the Irish sea border. The mm-hmm. other issue is COVID. So Bobby Story, who was a, an IRA veteran, I think he was the, the head of their intelligence unit. He uh, died, there was a funeral and several members of Sinn Féin, this nationalist Irish, Irish party, attended the funeral and violated COVID lockdown restrictions. And then the police chose not to prosecute, like not to charge them and and fine them or whatever. And so unionists also feel that there's been this special privilege accorded to these Irish Catholic, you know, nationalist politicians that the unionists don't get. So it's kind of twofold. It's the sense of like alienation from the UK and resentment mm. about, I guess, Catholics being able to still have this free flow. Right. Like they don't get the free flow of goods into the UK and then also these COVID rules. Right. So, um, so yeah, so the, that has led to a whole, this time to a whole bunch of Protestant uh, groups, like throwing petrol bombs, right. riding, whatever. Oh, so okay. um, it's, it, from my understanding, it seems to have calmed down largely compared to the start of the month. But I think there's still been kind of sporadic instances of, yes. of violence. So, yeah. So anyway, it's kind of sad. I wish it was like, I wish it was a better ending. Like, you know, the, the reconciliation has gone well and like, whatever. But um, there's still clearly, these tensions don't just go away and they're still quite. Oh, yeah, no. I think it'll be centuries before there's even a potential for a happy ending. I yeah. think the, like the Irish and the British have just like inherently... Yeah. never really gotten along <laughs> no no exactly so yeah I mean the one kind of hopeful thing I noted was that the alliance party which is this kind of this newer centrist party in in mm-hmm. the um in Stormont is trying to appeal to younger voters and not along the lines of like the sectarian Irish Catholic British Protestant they're more mm-hmm. like along I guess the political spectrum so they've grown in support from anything five percent to maybe sixteen percent in the last election. Okay, so okay. there's maybe hope that they can move past a, a system that is based on like sectarian conflict and more yes. towards a not that like traditional political systems don't have their own issues, but that yeah, you know, it's not based on like a non-religious right yeah identity. So good job, Sam. Thanks. Yeah. So that's kind of it. It's, it's just, um, it's a live issue. It continues. Um, so hopefully that helps explain it. It does. Now I like want to rewatch Dairy Girls, specifically the episode where the Catholic girls are meeting the Protestant boys and they all hate right. each other. Right. And they're, <laughs> you remember like some of the stuff they were putting on the list. It was like, what are some similarities between Protestants and Catholics? And the kids could only come up with differences. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Protestants hate ABBA. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's yeah, that was that was a good that was a good episode. Yeah. Overall, your recommendation for your place would be like a maybe. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, definitely I'm, I'm like in the middle category. Middle. If I needed to go back, I would go back, but I wouldn't go out of my way. Yes. And mine mm-hmm. is a will go back. Yours is an obvious. Yes. Once I can be assured that I won't be charged almost six hundred dollars to drive to it. Oh so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for listening, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say here. Normally Maria does it, so I'm like... I know. I guess we're both feeling a little bit ho-hum today. I think COVID has got us a bit down today. Yeah. And I think the topic, like, the topic is honestly, like, sad. Sadder than normal, I think. That's true. Yeah, it is a little bit more deep. But um, I think it's... I like I enjoy these topics that we're covering lately because it's things that we missed out on in history class mm-hmm. or I likely just tuned out because at a certain point Miss McGilvery's voice just really cut right. me out so <laughs> anywho okay everyone Anyways, so yeah <laughs> thanks for listening this week we hope you enjoyed it and we also hope that you now have a tv show recommendation mm-hmm. because also Dairy Girls is like two seasons six episodes each season 
30 minutes an episode, you can kill it off in like a weekend. Yeah. And then report back to us on how much you loved it. Right. Please. Right. And we will talk to you all next week. Wahoo. As always, if you have questions for the pod, a topic you mm-hmm. want covered, hit us up at eat it up pod on Instagram yes. or feel free to leave us a review, s- subscribe, like <laughs> us on however you listen to a podcast. And stop sending hate mail to Sam specifically about his snacks. <laughs> oh my God, it's, it's never ending. So End. the language I've been called. <laughs> no, it's... All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.